This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamics specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to not only those individuals that want to get into this business, but for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name, each week. I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals, to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. We always talk about how small this business is, and I was fortunate to connect with this next guest all the way back in 2009. He has had the unique opportunity to work in three major sports leagues and is now the Chief Marketing and Revenue Officer for Vinick Sports Group in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Jared Dillon. Jared, welcome to the show. Travis, thanks for having me, buddy. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. well. So, Jared, you know, before we dive into the fun career journey you've had, you know, sales and business is, is very competitive. And we always talk about that. And you had a competitive nature early on in your life. You, you grew up playing sports. You ended up going to the University of Oregon and was a preferred walk-on for the Ducks football team as a tight end. What was that experience like? And, and how did it help shape you into the person you are today? Go Ducks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for those uh, are watching on YouTube, he's got his Ducks cup. He's ready to go. Um, looking forward to, to college football season, hopefully. As we all uh, Yeah, uh, gosh, like many of our listeners, like you, Trav, like myself, I think that was ultimately having an athletic background was also something that ended up kind of foreshadowing, drew me into working in, in sports sales and wanting to stay around the game, even though I was never going to be good enough to continue to play, uh, you know, very long after college. Um I think, you know, the, the competitive drive, it, it was something that was just always kind of there, kind of innate in my character. I think that helped being a younger brother with an older brother, 10 years older than me, that uh, let me have it every which way you could growing up. Uh, multiple uncles, so, you know, always being the younger one. You know, I felt like, uh, you know how that adage goes, being the younger brother, right? And, uh, you know, I was fortunate uh, that I had an opportunity to be around great people, Great mentors when I was young, had great coaches as a kid. It's one of the, one of the reasons why I coach all my girls in their, in their sports is I want to be able to do a little bit to give back because I'm so, so thankful and blessed, quite frankly, that I had coaches like that that poured into, into me and my, my friends as, as youth. Yep. And I think that, you know, ultimately that kind of competitive edge started bleeding over into different parts of my life off the field. Uh, academics was never going to be accused of being the smartest kid in the room. Uh, just like, quite frankly, in athletics, I was never the most talented person on the field. Uh, I, I was fortunate to have some God-given ability, but I, I worked really hard, I'm proud to say, and was felt like I was able to get the most out of my ability. And, 
you know, I was never afraid to work. I think that that came from uh, that work ethic was instilled for me from a very young age, having a, a single mother that worked two full-time jobs uh, to raise me and my brother and, and help provide for us and send me to Catholic school, you know, my, my whole life. Uh, that was really important to her. And so, you know, having to do that, there was a lot of sacrifices as a family I had to make, you know, and seeing your mom or not seeing your mom as much because she's working two full-time days and you might see her early in the morning. You might see her, you know, at night before you go to bed, um, you know, really taught me from an early age that just that, that work ethic. And I also align that with that, you know, that competitive spirit of wanting to do the best that you could. And for me, quite frankly, looking back on it, it was a lot of wanting to make her proud. It was a lot of wanting to make my family proud. You know, one of the things that most drove me to get to college was I didn't have any family members really that had gone to college before. Um, and so to be one of the first in my family, I had, I had one uncle that, that put himself through school. Other than that, that was it. I didn't have examples really around me until I was able to go to, uh, you know, off to high school um, of, of really successful business people in my life. My family, everybody that I knew, a lot of the people that I grew up around, you know, God bless them all. They worked extremely hard, but for the most part, pretty blue collar folks and blue collar jobs. And it wasn't until I chanced that I got to go to, you know, you know, a high school that, you know, was a private school. And thus there was some, you know, more uh, affluent families, doctors, lawyers, business people. And, you know, I really at that point said, you know, I want to make a difference in my family's life and I'm going to be a kind of a, you know, a conduit to be able to do that. Yeah. So all those motivators were really what helped me, uh, you know, take that step to go to the University of Oregon. Well, I'm sure your, your mother and your entire family are, are very proud of you uh, and certainly of all your accomplishments. And so, you know, as you look back at your time in Oregon, is there any, uh, you know, specifically on the football end? And, and obviously you said you had God-given talent, but to make a D1 roster, you got to have more than talent. and You put in the hard work and effort. What was your most memorable experience uh, of playing college football? Well, I'll tell you what, and you mentioned it on the intro. You know, I wasn't a scholarship athlete. I wasn't a blue chip, you know, highly prized recruit. Um, I was probably a kid talent wise that, you know, probably would have played a lot more at a, you know, at a, you know, a one double A or division two school. But my dream was always to go to a Pac-12 school in particular, Pac-10 at the time. That's how old I am. Um, and when I went to Oregon, I was just really blown away by the family feeling there. And I had a good friend by the name of Clay Mortson who owns Mortson Winery out in Northern California, Hillsburg, where I grew up. And he was a couple years ahead of me. And he had done the same thing. He had gone from my high school and he had walked on at Oregon and secured a spot on the team and even got into some action, played on special teams in the Rose Bowl. And, uh, you know, I really looked up to him and he took me under his wing and hosted me on my recruiting weekend. And I just fell in love with it. And I knew, you know, being a preferred walk-on status that the odds are stacked against you, you know, um, not only financially, you know, I, 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 to be able to go to school, there was a lot of loans. Uh, there was working two, you know, two jobs uh, while I was going to school full-time and playing football full-time uh, to be able to live that dream out. Right. Uh, but, you know, you, you got no breaks when it came athletically too. You were playing, you know, with and behind some, some incredible athletes. So just putting your, you know, just putting your, your your nose down every day and working hard, controlling what you can control, uh, you know, show up early, stay late, work as hard as you can, be an excellent student, be an be the guy that has a great attitude. I mean, one of the biggest compliments that I remember coming, you know, to me through through Oregon was 
had nothing to do with ability on the field. It was the fact when my coach came to me and said, hey, we're bringing in a really prized junior college football recruit, um, and he plays your position. And at that point, I had worked my way up to that. I was potentially looking at getting a little bit of playing time here and there, and I was still a walk-on. But here's my coach saying, hey, we're going to room you in fall camp with essentially a guy that is taking your job. Yeah, you're competing with. And But, you know, we need you to teach him the playbook. We need you to work with him, help him, you know, make sure he stays out of trouble, like curve for you, all those things, right? Yep. So I found that doing all the other things right, all the intangibles, we talk about this at the Lightning all the time, you know, doing all the intangibles, those things add up and matter. Yep. And th- those will, in a lot of cases, be more important than talent, right? And all those other things will will, will shine. And, um, you know, it was a great experience for me. You know, got to play a little bit here and there, but more importantly, it was about the camaraderie, the relationships that I formed, uh, you know, help, help, you know, the, the men that I played for, learning those life lessons from them, yep. you know, has really helped me become the teammate and the leader uh, that I try to be today. You know, and to your point, you can't teach those intangibles that you bring every day. And, you know, it's a direct correlation to what, what sales and, and sales leaders do every single day as well. And, and so, so, Jared, outside of football at Oregon, you had a little different background than a lot of people in the sports business. So we want to get into this is uh, you held dual majors in English and history. What, right. what did you want to do with those degrees? So when I got to, to U of O, uh, I love working with young people to this day, whether it's getting on a, a call with university students or talking one-on-one with someone that just wants to learn more about the business, informational interview, volunteering. Um, I'm on the board of Junior Achievement Tampa Bay, working with young kids about financial literacy. Uh, I just, I love, I always love being around young people and working with them in a kind of a coaching, I guess, capacity. Um, so my original intent when I went to Oregon was I was going to, double major in English and history, my two favorite subjects. And when I was done, I was going to go back and I was going to give back in my community and, you know, coach and teach at either my high school or elementary school or maybe junior college, something along those lines. But that's really where I saw my path. So I decided to pursue those uh, degrees because those at the end of the day were my favorite subjects. Uh, reading has always just been something that, you know, that, that, that I love to do. English and history obviously lend itself well to that. Um, and I, I, you know, was blessed to have a number of family members that served uh, in our military. And I was always very interested in military history in particular. So those kind of, those, those factors kind of drove me into those areas, those subject areas. Nice. Uh, obviously a very different uh, career path than I ended up taking. Right. And the, the funny story behind that, what happened was, you know, there was four of us living together, uh, roommates and teammates. Um, it was fantastic. It was, you know, four guys from completely different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different cultures, different religions, different parts of the world, you know. A couple of us from the U.S., one from Canada. I mean, it, it was quite the experience living together as roommates and teammates. Yep. And one of my teammates and roommates, Dietrich Moore, was already enrolled in the University of Oregon's Warsaw Sports Marketing Program. I'm, I'm at that point, I think, a sophomore or a junior. I didn't even know it existed, so shame on me. That tells you how much I knew about wanting to work in sports. I was going to a university that already had a top five sports business program, and I had no clue. No clue it was even existed. So, you know, through that relationship with my roommate, I, you know, befriended uh, a gentleman that was, um, you know, that was in the program that invited me to come to office hours 
um, and come listen in to some of the speakers. Uh, speakers from Nike, Portland Trailblazers, uh, the the minor league baseball team, the Eugene Emeralds that were there at the time. And, you know, again, I wasn't even enrolled in these classes. I would just go to office hours and listen in uh, with some of the professors and go to classes. And it was probably about my junior year. I really decided, you know what, I really want to pursue this. And I completely changed everything up. And that's when I decided to try to pursue sports business as a, as a business path. All right. Well, it obviously worked out. And, you know, you had mentioned, you know, obviously hard work effort. You mentioned early on, you started working a couple jobs, similar to, you know, you growing up, your mom was working a couple jobs. You started working some jobs in college. I know you, I've heard a story. You started working with Merrill Lynch. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you graduate, you start working in minor league baseball, go on to get your MBA in sports marketing at Sonoma State University. So, I think it's pretty clear by just the, the early 10, 15 minutes of this conversation, you have an impeccable work ethic. So what's what's that big motivating factor for you and yourself, and, and how did it lead you to what you're doing now? Thanks. My daughter popped in to say hello on the on the podcast, my four-year-old. So uh, Hello. Uh, tell me the last part of your question, Trav. I apologize. Yeah, you know, I think it's pretty clear, your impeccable work ethic. What's that big motivating factor for yourself? Oh man, I think uh, twofold. One, th- there is still a part of me. It's like, you know, I really want to make my family proud, and that that family has grown now, right? And that's my family that I grew up with. That's now my wife. That's now my children. Um, I'm, I'm blessed. We're blessed to have three uh, young girls, nine, six, and four. Uh, so th- those are all, you know, for me, those are really, really critical relationships and important people that I want to you know, make proud and show and be a good example for, right. As much as I can. Yeah. Um, the other, you know, the other part is I'm really driven in our business in particular. This is something you and I've talked about and, and a lot of our friends I know feel the same way, really driven about helping to develop that next level of talent. I don't consider myself an old guy. I don't think I'm going anywhere anytime soon in this industry, but I do have a lot of aspirations to look back one day and that will ultimately be a major way that I judge my career being successful or not is how many people that I help move on in their career, advance, become better people, better leaders, better, better fathers, mothers, whatever it is. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to look back now and, you know, there's probably close to 15 people, uh, certainly a dozen or so that I've worked with along the way that are directors, vice presidents, senior vice presidents in the industry now. Um, and I, I take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot of pride in being a part of their journey. Um, and those, that's the next generation of executives that's going to change our industry. No, absolutely. And it's, it's great. And you certainly have built a really good tree underneath you. And, you know, obviously your, your hard work and effort ultimately leads you, you know, as you go through minor league baseball and you're working at Merrill Lynch, go back and get your MBA, leads you into sales roles with the San Francisco Giants and the Oakland Raiders. So kind of at home, spend almost eight years there in the Bay Area. Uh, what were some key indicators early on in your career that you took away and said, you know what? I know this business kind of clicked for me my junior year of college, but now this is the business I'm two feet in. Yeah. Honestly, I knew I made the right decision. Right out of college, I got hired by a minor league baseball team, a little independent minor league baseball team. I had a one-year uh, stay with them right you know, before I started with the San Francisco Giants. And I was I had moved back to Northern California, uh, about an hour north of San Francisco where I'm from, I was living in my mom's garage on a pull-out couch in a converted garage into a room. I was making 20 grand a year with no benefits, 
Uh, I think if I remember correctly, one literally 1% commission on whatever I sold. And there was four, you know, not counting the owners, the two owners, there was four of us that ran this little minor league independent team. And it was, it was just mind blowing to me. I was getting to do everything I had read and learned about right in the real world. And it didn't matter if the tickets were, you know, five bucks a ticket or, or if the, the first partnership deal that I ever did was, you know, seven grand, like it didn't matter. It was the fact that I was getting to do those things and getting to be hands-on fans, talking to people, selling season seats, going in and having corporate partnership conversations. So I think it, for me, it clicked really now. doesn't mean I was any good at what I was, <laughs> what I was doing. I was learning on the fly. But that moment when I was a couple months in, I really knew this is what I wanted to do with my career. Fast forward a few months later, less than a year later, I get hired by the San Francisco Giants. And my first real mentor comes into my life in, in, in Rob Sullivan. Uh, and Rob was our director of sales, brought me onto his team. Um, Rob's now a Madison Square Garden company running all premium there. And he's, you know, done a lot of things in between, but, you know, really learning the foundation of sales and how fun it could be, uh, and what face to face sales was like versus telemarketing was a game changer for me. Um, I had some sales experience through that Merrill Lynch experience in college. And I had a lot of friends that were in sales and a lot of that was just, hitting the phones, right? And we all know how important that is. Uh, but what I didn't know was, you know, the phone should just be a conduit to get face-to-face. And that's where I excelled. For whatever reason, I just, I love being around people. I'm much better with people face-to-face interacting, that human bond connection. And so at a really young age, I want, you know, it was like literally my first year in professional sales at the Giants. I found that, man, if I can get someone to come down to the ballpark and take a face-to-face meeting with me, um, I have a really good chance of, you know, of them becoming a season ticket member or buying a suite rental or whatever it was versus banging my head against the day, you know, the phone, just making cold calls all day. So that was kind of when it was very eye opening to me in terms of sales philosophy and business philosophy, how much relationships, how much building trust and all those things were going to matter uh, to me. And uh, I can think back to, gosh, that was probably, you know, 2001, 2002, somewhere in that time frame, And those are still fundamental, uh, you know, just foundations of, of, of my belief in sales that I still have with me today. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and so, you know, as, as you are going through with the Giants, then you go to the Oakland Raiders, you oversee premium seating and ticketing, and that's when you decide to make the move a little bit south to San Diego, you know, to the Padres, the vice president of ticket sales and service. And at the time, you know, let's let's call a spade a spade. The Padres needed a huge turnaround on the business side, and, and you were certainly able to, to implement a lot of things from, you know, re- bringing in and creating an inside sales program, which was fairly new around, especially MLB, you know, the membership platform. And so a lot of different priorities as you got to San Diego. And in this business, we talk a lot about priorities and being efficient. So when you first got to San Diego, how did you start prioritizing what needed to be done? Well, let me tell you, man, if, if I've done anything right in my career at all, there, there's two things. It's one, identifying, you know, really good people to work for and with. And, and then two, hiring really good people, you know, and supporting them. And that, everywhere I've been, that's been the case. Um, and I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very strong in my faith. I don't think you're, you're put anywhere or put in a situation accidentally. I think there's generally speaking something you can, you can learn from that. So, you know, I followed my, my mentor, Rob, essentially from the Giants to the Raiders. Um, 
that's when I really learned the, the value of learning how to interview and hire people. Hired some incredible people at the Oakland Raiders that are, you know, doing a great job in this industry to this day that are leaders in the industry. Uh, when I went to interview in San Diego, uh, Rob had left. Rob, uh, my mentor, had left. And so I thought for me, from a personal growth standpoint, it was probably time for me to kind of start looking at what may be next. Yep. Um, you know, God had a plan for me, and he put me directly in line with Tom Garfinkel, who had just come in as the president of the San Diego Padres. And uh, that was a career changer for me and a life changer just in terms of a friend and a, and a, and a friendship I'll always have. But, you know, Tom hired me. I uh, can't imagine how many resumes he had of people for a vice president of ticket sales and service job in Major League Baseball in the most beautiful country, uh, excuse me, the most beautiful city in the country, yep. San Diego. Yeah. Um, can't beat it. And somehow he took a chance on me. Uh, you know, I would find out later on for some reason he, uh, he saw a little bit of Brent Stellick in me, which was someone that he had hired before that's uh, obviously very successful in our industry at, you know, when they were together at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, and I would later have an opportunity to work with Brent at the, at the Padres to have it all kind of come full circle. But I think, you know, directly to your point was, where do you start? And the first thing that I did in San Diego, first thing I've done, I did here in Tampa when I got here was meet with everybody, you know, and spend time getting to know people, understanding process, but understanding people. You know, I have, I have a pretty simple equation that, People plus process equal results. And if your process isn't buttoned up and really good, no matter how good your people are, you're not going to be able to get as much out of the team. If your, you know, if your people are really good and your process is terrible, again, same type of result, right? So, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to focus that first year and a half on people and process and getting the, you know, getting the right processes in place and also getting the right people, you know, in the right seats. We moved a lot of people around. We, we hired a lot of new people. Um, Padres had a pretty small staff at, at the time, so we were essentially were able to start fresh just about. Yep. And that's where, you know, I was able to hire people like Jonathan Tillman, uh, Robert Davis, uh, just incredible leaders. Jeremy Walls ended up joining us, Brent Stelic, Tyler Epp, who's running business for the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you talk about, you know, timing, and hard work and blessings all coming together at one time. You know, we never had it on the field, unfortunately. We, we struggled. I don't, you know, I don't think we stiffed the playoffs in the six years we were there, but we had a quite a, a hardworking, talented group in the front office, and I learned so much from those people. Uh, and there, a lot of them are uh, – well, all of them are still good friends and, and, and mentors to this day. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at zero and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has just 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. 
If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of the other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code HUSTLE or DealDash.fm backslash HUSTLE. You'll hear on 52 Weeks of Hustle again the guest today, Jared Dillon, the Chief Marketing Revenue Officer at Vinick Sports Group and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, you know, Jared, our listeners have a variety of backgrounds from wanting to get into sales to being into sales or in leadership, wanting to get into leadership. So what advice do you have for them to really become more efficient and effective every day so they can climb that ladder, you know, as, as quick and as, as well as you've done? I think, you know, one thing I try to share with a lot of young people, whether, you know, speaking at universities, um, talking with students, uh, people that are trying to break into the industry, this is just my own personal feeling and advice. It certainly don't, I certainly don't necessarily think it's uh, the answer for everybody, but I have a strong belief that you need to spend the time to figure out what you want to do, right? And then that's the path of how you're going to go do it. So for an example, I would never tell somebody, hey, come try to get a job as an inside sales rep selling tickets when really in your heart of hearts, you want to work in marketing. Right. If, if, if you know, if you've done the research and you know what marketing, quote unquote, means and or what you want to do within that field, whatever the role is, go after that. And I always try to steer people, you know, don't take a job you really want. You know, it's going to lead to maybe not being as successful. Your heart's not going to be it. You're not going to be as passionate. And that could lead you down really a tough path where you fail, you know, and. I always I would tell people, you know, go get that experience somewhere else. You know, if your dream is to work in marketing and professional sports team, great. If you can't get in right away, go get marketing experience. Yep. It is going to be far more transferable for you to come back and work for us as a sports team a couple years down the road when you have actual marketing experience than for me to ever look at someone that's been selling tickets and say, hey, let's give you a chance at marketing. Yeah, there's no such it's thing as like that the door. Yes. So, I, you know, early on I was faced with that. That was advice I was given. I took it. Um, another mentor of mine, uh, Tom McDonald, uh, who was at the San Francisco Giants at the time, you know, I had an opportunity to maybe, you know, do an internship. I think it was in suites or it might have been in hospitality, food, and beverage during the season. At the same time, I had a full-time job offer from that little minor league baseball team. I could have just as easily – commuted an hour, hour and a half to San Francisco each way every day of public transportation to go work on game nights and days in the suites. And I don't know what kind of experience that would have given me, but it sounded great. It's the San Francisco Giants. I'm getting my foot in the door. The advice that he gave me that I ended up taking was I went to this little, you know, no-name minor league baseball team with five people running the business, and I was able to be involved on every single part of our business from tickets to sponsorship to marketing and figure out everything I wanted to do or what I liked, what I didn't like and center myself and, and really put myself down a path to, okay, I know I want to be in sales. Right. You know? And that's what I spent a year kind of doing before, as he called it a year later, a job came available. I interviewed and now I had that experience and they brought me onto this ticket sales team. So that's one thing I always try to really harp on when I talk with folks is, young folks is figure out what you really want to do. Where does your passion lie? And then go pursue that. There will always be a path, I believe, to get back into sports if that's really what you want to do. And I think that's actually over the last five, 10 years become more of what we've seen. We've seen more talented people from under other industries coming into sports and entertainment. That's become more of the norm in the last couple of years, in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You kind of mentioned passion there. And so, you know, passion for what you do and what's going to continue on in your career. And so, you know, as you're in San Diego, you're overseeing the ticketing and premium team for three and a half years, having a ton of success. You've mentioned this, President and CEO Tom Garfinkel, you know, who's a big mentor of you, he comes to you and says, I need you to, and, and I want you to transition over to corporate partnerships. Like, why did you feel that was the right move for you and your career? Hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't know, right? I listened to someone I really believed in and a mentor that has certainly earned my trust in, at the time. And, you know, he explained it to me, right? But here was the opportunity. You got someone in my case at that time that had come up through ticket sales and service. And yeah, I was probably, and at that time I was a vice president. So I was probably qualified to do any job in ticket sales, service and operations probably, right? Right. Um, but when you look at your career, and you look at stretching yourself and getting uncomfortable and growing and what's going to lead to a longer term career, you need to learn other parts of the business. And that was kind of what Tom presented me with the opportunity. Uh, you know, the blessing, you know, the hard part was losing one of my best friends and, and Brent Stelic and mentor who, who left that none of us would have had the opportunity to grow had he not gone back to Cleveland, to the Cleveland Browns, to his hometown. Uh, when he did that, we had a, like I said, we had a very talented group of individuals, Tyler Epp, Jeremy Walls, myself, and a few others. And Tom came to us and said, listen, I believe in all of you, and I'm going to mix things up. I'm going to put you guys all into different roles, uh, something that, you know, that you really don't have experience doing necessarily, yep. but it's going to be because I want you to grow. I want you to take on more. You need to start thinking more broadly about our business than just your little silo of ticketing or partnerships or marketing or whatever that was that the three of us were running before. Right. And it really was a game changer. I, you know, there's always been in my mind and I think still a stigma a little bit in our industry of this kind of stair step ladder approach. You kind of keep going up, but at some point someone's got to take a chance on you to do other jobs and, you know, to do more. And I'll never forget sitting down at, at lunch in San Diego with Tom as he talked to me about this. And man, I was nervous. I was scared. I didn't, I mean, I'd worked close enough to partnership groups for several years and had been involved, you know, running suites and ticketing. You're obviously being involved, helping put together some deals or working on inventory, but to go laterally to be the vice president, move to the vice president of partnerships, that's a different level. Yeah. Uh, I was fortunate to kind of have an incredible leader and friend in in Tyler up above me as our SVP and then Joe Mulford, who's now running Cal Berkeley's partnership uh, and actually all revenue for Cal Berkeley. Joe was our director of sales, another Teambo uh, yeah. guy. Yeah. And Joe, Joe and I had worked together years before at the Giants. And uh, so being kind of sandwiched in between those two, I was in a really, really good place where I could drop my guard, not pretend to know what I didn't know, and just really, for a first year, just really sink into – you know, the, the, the business at the ground level, understanding our partnership deals, understanding, you know, the, the, the key objectives of our partners, building those relationships. And I always joke with people today, you know, I was probably the most overpaid, overtitled as a vice president account rep in partnerships that there's ever been. <clears throat> I literally immersed myself for that first year with my activation group, just learning all of our deals inside and out. Yep. Uh, and sponge. That's right. And so, you know, over time, you know, the things that you know, the things that you learn, you're growing, you're learning, you're doing everything you can to continue your education. And, uh, you know, I had the chance to do that for, gosh, 
three, another roughly three years, almost three years that I was at the Padres helping run that group. So just a career changer for me. And, you know, again, you don't see it that often, but I think more of us as sports execs need to look at that. When you have somebody that you believe in that has high caliber potential, high ceiling, and that, you know, how do I stretch them? And maybe they don't check the box of having that experience for that next job. Right. But can I groom them? Can I put them in a place? And that's what Tom really did for us is he put us in a place to be successful and then handed it off. And we were the ones that had to do the hard work. Right. Exactly. And, you know, I think that's key. And so certainly has worked for you, Jerry. You, you certainly a lot of, you know, as, as you've continued on your career, you said you spent three more years in the partnerships with the Padres and then came the time to, to move to Florida, to move to Tampa with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Vinick Sports Group. You know, and like I mentioned early on, you're one of uh, one of few individuals who have now worked in three major sports leagues with the Major League Baseball, NFL, and the NHL. And you've now been in Tampa over five years, you know, a ton of responsibility. Um, honestly, I don't even know if I have enough time to, to say it all, so I'll really kick it to you just with the amount of, you know, kind of amount of properties that fall up under Vinick Sports Group. But just give the listeners a brief overview of, of what Vinick Sports Group entails and, and kind of your day-to-day. Yeah, absolutely. So the first couple of years when, when I when I got here, we were, um, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's basically what everybody knew us for. And, of course, we also operated um, the uh, Amelie Arena, uh, which is a, a top, you know, destination, uh, certainly in the southeast and one of the busier venues uh, in the country for concerts and events. Uh, and after a couple of years of continuing to run that business, um, our CEO, Steve Griggs, uh, who's also, you know, again, you talk about being surrounded by great people and great mentors. The five years that I've been here have maybe been the most learning that I've, that I've had because I've had that direct tie and, and seat with him and I've been on this journey with him. But we, we had a vision as an organization and he gets the credit for really driving this with, with our owner, Jeff Binnick. It was to essentially to diversify. You know, if you, if you think about the lightning as a singular stock, we wanted to become a mutual fund. And there's a lot of great companies, great examples out there with the work, uh, you know, Fenway Sports Group, Monumental, Kroenke, a lot of these kind of multi-property sports and entertainment companies right. was kind of what we were thinking of what we wanted to maybe aspire to, to be. So we spent a lot of time researching, talking to people. Um, and, and the trigger to all of this was, uh, was a relationship that we had here locally uh, with the University of South Florida. And I want to say three years ago now, um, we had the opportunity to, um, to come in and, and take over multimedia rights, sponsorship rights for University of South Florida Athletics. At the same time, my friends that do the booking and managing of our facility, Amelie Arena, were able to land the contract to manage uh, what is now the Yingling Center, uh, the basketball and event arena there on campus at USF. Yep. And so naturally, our, 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 our business kind of doubled in that sense. We had another property. We had another venue. Um, and so we started thinking about this a lot bigger. Um, and so when we decided to rebrand, it was really the vision was to unite all of us working across seven different properties, really, at this point, either properties or platforms. We have a, we have a digital network, the Identity Tampa Bay. We have a sports division, Tampa Bay Sports, uh, that carries everybody from the Tampa Bay Lightning to the Bucks to the Rays to USF. Whole retail division built out, e-commerce, you know, three brick-and-mortar stores. Uh, we have the, the sponsorship rights division. We have we have a group that does bookings for concerts and talent um, at various venues. So to put all of these kind of different groups 
under one umbrella. And we just really felt that the thing that would unite us is our owner, Jeff Vinnick, and, and the Vinnick name. And so from that, Vinnick Sports Group was really launched. The timing is interesting. You know, we worked on this for the better part of probably two years, and we launched the rebrand essentially a month uh, before COVID hit. And we had an amazing event uh, in our in Amelie Arena, down on uh, on the floor, uh, beautiful stage, beautiful production. Abe Madcore came in town from the Sports Business Journal to be our moderator. Uh, Jeff Vinnick, our owner, Steve Griggs, our CEO. Uh, we had a, roughly 120 of our partners there all day, right? And it was a combination of kind of a uh, of a partner summit, but also the launch of this brand. Phoenix Sports Group and what it meant. And so we've learned a lot on the fly because there's no playbook for what any of us are going through the last 10, 11 weeks. Right. Uh, timing's everything in life. And, uh, you know, the timing of that, you know, maybe not ideal, but I don't know that I would go back and change anything. I think it has bonded us as a group even more. Yep. You know, so it doesn't matter if your job is I'm at one venue all day or I work for one property or maybe like myself, you cross over several. At the end of the day, we're all Vinick Sports Group. Right, right. So that's kind of what we're doing here in Tampa. Essentially, I, I oversee revenue uh, and parts of our marketing group. I also have another colleague, Aaron McVeary, who just joined us, um, who's overseeing brand and a lot of our content. So she and I kind of team up together on the marketing side. And then partnerships, ticketing, uh, premium suites, et cetera, uh, kind of fall under, under, um, under my uh, responsibilities. So, you know, obviously, and I appreciate the, the detail with the Vinick Sports Group and a lot of different business units, a lot of different personalities, a lot of different, you know, motivating factors there. And so how have you become so good at managing the different types of individuals and, and really making sure each and every team is motivated to work together and kind of that, that one goal mentality? I think it really starts, at least my, my belief, it really starts, obviously, you want to get to know all your people. But when you're in a role where... I'm, listen, I'm blessed that I, you know, we have roughly, you know, 90 folks that kind of fall under our umbrellas. That's almost half of our organization of full-time employees, you know, 40, call it 40%. Um, over time, you will get to know everybody, and you need to spend the time to do that. Um, however, you're also running a business, and you just, there's just not a time, enough time in the day. So what I really try to focus on, first and foremost, spending a lot of time with my leaders, because at the end of the day, my job is to help prepare them, provide the resources and the path forward for them to go do their jobs. Their job is to then go lead their groups, right? And really get in the weeds with their group of five people, of 10 people, of 20 people, whatever it is. So I spent a lot of time at that leadership level and, and have over the last five years um, trying to invest in, in the development um, of our leaders and then work with them on that kind of waterfall approach of development down to every single full-time employee we have. And development, you know, listen, actions speak louder than words. So what are you actually doing? So some of the things we actually do, um, we have a number of we have a number of programs that our people operations group puts on, unbelievable opportunities for for, for young employees that want to do extra work, be involved on extra projects. Lightning uh, leadership line is a great one where they pick a project, two teams of ten, and they kind of compete on this kind of case study, right? Four of those five projects have actually turned into real businesses for us. Uh, our digital network was launched from that. That's um, you know, so pretty amazing the work that has come out of that. 
Um, but that's one thing that we do. The other thing that we do is we require every one of our full time staff members to have their own personal development plan. Um, you know, so this isn't something that's just cookie cutter. You're filling out, you know, paperwork and looking back on it once a year. It's something that our leaders work through individually with each one of their, uh, their, their staff members. It's looking at what are your strengths right now? What are the things you're doing well? You have an opportunity. I, as your manager, have an opportunity to weigh in on that. Maybe we don't see things exactly eye to eye. Let's talk about that, right? It helps us get, you know, comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. So then the next layer is what are those things, you know, what are those things you need to work on? Travis tells me he's in this job right now and he aspires to do this next job down the road. Great. Let's identify what are the skills what are the experience? What are those things you're going to need to be able to do that job one day? Whether it's with us or with somebody else, it doesn't matter. Right. Our job is to get you ready. And I want to keep as many great people as I can, but at the end of the day, our job is to get people ready to operate at a, at a really high level to do their job. So we spend a lot of time revisiting those uh, reviews you know, quarterly, if not monthly, and trying to keep each other honest. And, and, and talk through the development for each one of our full-time staff. So those are just a couple quick things that we do. Yeah. But I go back to really, you got to invest in the people and you have to invest in the process if you're going to want, if you're going to get the results. Yep. And our industry, one of the, you know, if, if there is a downfall in our industry, I think sometimes we are so results oriented. Did you hit that number? Did you hit that number? Did we hit this goal? Those are important. And I understand why running a business um, but if, again, if I go back to, if we don't have the, uh, the building blocks and the foundation, right. And the process and the people, the, the results are always going to be limited to what they can be. Right. And I think it's come full circle. You, you talked a lot about your mentors in this business and investing in them, you know, and they invest in you and now you're investing in people. And so Jared, a ton of, ton of great insight. This has been an amazing conversation. So to really close it out here in a couple minutes, uh, you know, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? <laughs> All right, let's go. So, quick fire question. So what is your favorite item you've purchased this year? Favorite item that I've purchased this year. That is a, ooh, that's a good one. You know what? I'm going to go with, uh, I've really done a better job with reading during the, during the, the work from home kind of phase. And one of the best books I've read recently is by Jeff Olson. It's called The Slight Edge. Okay. And uh, that's, that's one I would recommend. And then I'd, I'd recommend anything by John Gordon. He's one of my favorites. Um, but, you know, those – I owned a lot of the John Gordon books already. Um, you know, a relatively new purchase was Slight Edge, um, and that was actually given to me as a gift, but I can say I bought it because I now have bought it and gifted it to about five, six different people. Um, and we're doing various book clubs with them along the way too and talking through them. Um, and that book has been great for me. Uh, it's really helped me develop new, you know, just daily, um, you know, just daily repetition on certain things that I have been putting off. Uh, and it's the compound effect of doing those little things every single day and how that over time they're going to affect you. So Slide Edge, Jeff Olson, that's probably my favorite recent purchase. Nice. Love it. What would be your superpower? If you could choose any superpower. Man, I feel like all of us listening right now with everything going on in our country right now, you know, wish we had a lot of different superpowers to, yeah, to help, for sure. help, uh, help our society out. You know, I think if I, had this, if I had a superpower, I think it would be to give people the ability 
to see and understand where another person's coming from. Yeah. That'd be very right? interesting. Because if there's anything, I think the last couple of days, weeks, you know, have shown me, it's just how easily, you know, all of everybody is to go back and defend their own position or really only think about what they know. And yep. it's really, really hard to put yourself in the shoes of somebody else when you don't know what they're going through or what their life experiences have been. Yeah. And I just think our, our industry, our world, everything would be so much better if we could do that somehow magically, yeah. right? I could let Travis go into my head and all of a sudden you would know exactly why I feel certain ways, right? Or what my experiences have been. So I don't even know if that's a superpower. I'm oh, sure great. You know, I got to be honest, like that's been on my mind a lot lately. Yeah. And so when I hear that, like what's the superpower, you know, it's, it's that we'd be giving that ability for people to be able to give that ability to each other or for me to be able to give that ability to them. Nice. No, I, I love it. And finally, you know, what are three key takeaways, three quick bullets that you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Hmm. Man. Okay. So I, I coach kids, like I told you, uh, mainly through my daughters, but I also have a lot of friends that have kids and I try to get involved with their youth sports and training, working out, whatever it is. And I talk about a couple things with them. Um, you know, the first one is like, be prepared slash know the situation and your responsibility, right? So I always talk about when you come in on the field, you're coming off the bench, on the ice, or whatever it is, know your responsibility and know the situation, right? So it comes down to being prepared. Number two is confidence. And I'm not talking about, you know, cockiness where I'm chirping in your ear or I think I'm better than you. It's when you set foot on that field of play or when you set foot in that boardroom, that meeting, whatever it is, you have to have the confidence and belief in yourself that you can do whatever it is, that you're going to be successful, right? And I think that also comes from being prepared, too. The more prepared you are, the more confident you feel. Yep, exactly. Right? And then number three, um, you know, it's more related to work ethic. And what I, what I just tell kids is, you know, it's play as hard as you can. You know, whatever it is, if it's that shift when your line's in, if it's that couple minutes that you're on the soccer pitch before you get taken out, play as hard as you can, nothing else matters, leave it all on the field. And I, I tried to think about that from a work standpoint too, you know, go as hard as you can because all of our days are numbered. You know, we never know when the big guy, your card's going to be called and you never know how long, you know, you have the opportunity to work in this business. You never know how long you have an opportunity to pursue a certain dream. And so it's, you know, control what you can control, right? It's be prepared, have that confidence and belief, and go as hard as you can, you know? And I, I, I think that even if you fail, even if you don't win, you don't get the deal done, you lose the game, whatever it is, if you can do those three things when you come off, you know, the, the playing field or when you look at yourself in the mirror when you get home from work, you can feel really proud about who you are and what you've done. I think everybody can hear your passion, Jared. And, and so thank you so much. You, you've had a, a great you know, kind of journey in life, a, a fantastic career thus far, and, and I certainly appreciate your time and expertise here today. Well, and I want to thank you. Well, thank you for that. And I want to thank you for having me on, Travis. I want to commend you as well for starting this podcast, uh, taking the advantage of a, you know, tough situation with all of us having to work from home and you're working your job and taking care of your family and everything. And to be able to do this, do something that, you know, I know has been on your heart and your head for a while. Very proud of you to see that and seeing all the success you're having with the podcast. So congratulations. Thanks for inspiring all of us.
Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thanks for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're called Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.